Hello and welcome to Be Positive Shoot Negative Podcast. This week I had the pleasure to sit down with Braden Flynn, the founder of Film Supply Club. If you have not had the pleasure of using the store, definitely check it out. So without further ado, let's hop right in. Being a well-rounded photographer who shoots everything from portraits to weddings and everything in between, what is your photography story? How did you get into photography? Yeah, really, it started out shooting bands and something passion of mine, love that I have. And I was able to, it was sort of a way that I figured out how to get into my favorite shows for free. And then also have a camera in there where I think a lot of people back in the day used, or I don't know if they still do, like to collect autographs. Like for me, photographing my favorite bands was sort of like getting my autograph. It was, I, I really love, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of like old Annie Leibovitz where she photographed the Rolling Stones or just like that era of photography. And I, yeah, so it's sort of what I really loved doing. And yeah, I started out by being able to contact, I would, I would figure out bands that were coming to town. I'd want to shoot them. And so I would reach out to local magazines and say, hey, I'm photographing these bands. Would you guys want to cover them? And they'd say yes. And so then I would reach out to the PR and the managing and the marketing teams. And then I would say, hey, I'm working for this magazine. Can you set me up with a photo pass so I can come and photograph your bands? And so that was really a way like I started doing that. And then I started my own music blog. And it was really the deal. I wasn't really like trying to be a photographer, but then once I was, I was like, I was everywhere all the time, always. And I was shooting every single night of the week when I was shooting bands, I was probably shooting bands four nights a week at shows all the time. And, you know, that'd be like three or four bands a night. And then I started doing more fashion editorial. I grew up around, uh, I grew up in like Orange County, Newport Beach area down, which is like surf Mecca of the world all of the major surf brands are here. So there is Hurley, Billabong, Ruka, Volcom, Quicksilver, you know, all of them. And a lot of my friends ended up starting to work for those companies or then they started their own clothing lines or girlfriends that were becoming designers or stylists and things like that. And so I started shooting for their brands and their shoots and we started collaborating and really was gearing. I wanted to be a, more of like a fashion lifestyle photographer. And I was doing that, was doing that for brands, doing that for magazines. And a lot of it too, is like people that I know, again, I was like all the time and people would know as a photographer because I always had a camera with me and I was always shooting. And um, this was all pre-Instagram as well as to, to like, I love that that dates me, but, uh, but it does. So, so there's that. And then out of that world, I wasn't wanting to be a wedding photographer, which is primarily what I've become known for, I guess. But within weddings, it was when I, like, I don't know, I've been shooting weddings for 13 years. And with that, like 13 years ago, it was sort of like in the commercial photography world. And I would say it's still the case, like, oh, you shoot weddings? Like, that's cute. It's, it's really looked at as like a lesser than form of photography. But I mean, I would actually really on, on a good level of photography. I mean, and I shoot primarily all film when I'm shooting weddings. And so to do it at a really high end level, I describe it to people as this, as, you have to be good at every single kind of photography in one day on a really, really quick timeline changing throughout the day. So you've gotta be a fashion photographer, you've gotta be a portrait photographer, a family photographer, an event photographer, you've gotta be a product photographer. You know, it's like every single aspect you have to like absolutely nail. And now this could be questions down the road, but now I shoot like, oh, 
a handful of the weddings that I go to photograph, they are expecting their wedding to get featured in Vogue or they're expecting their wedding to get featured in Martha Stewart or like the highest like wedding blog. And so there's this level of being able to shoot the decor, the like every element of the wedding at a really, really high end level with the expectation that this is going to get featured. So you have to, like the expectation is always there that you have to kill it every single time, which is high stress. But weddings came about out of that world where some of the friends that were designers or stylists started getting married and they wanted me to shoot their weddings in the way that I was shooting this editorial lifestyle stuff where not as traditional. And it ended up being this really, really cool blend because I sort of deep down knew I would always like shooting weddings because I love people. I love parties. I love social. I actually do. I thrive under pressure. And so weddings are you're under pressure the entire day. And yeah, and it's, and I'm also, I would say one of my skills is I'm really good at connecting with people and making them feel comfortable in front of the camera. And I think all of those things together ended up being fun where these couples that had really high fashion, they were stylish, they were getting married in not very typical venues. It was like being able to do this really cool fashion shoot for someone's wedding and they were thrilled. And like the first handful of weddings I shot got featured in a lot of places because they were really different. And then all of a sudden I started getting my, my internet door knocked on all the time. And then it's like, okay, but this is, sorry, becoming a very long-winded answer, but the, the lesson here could be like that you can take away from this part is when you're not desperate for something, when you're not desperate for a job, I wasn't really trying to be a wedding photographer. I actually didn't really want to be, but what that allowed for me to do is be really picky with the type of weddings that I chose, with the things that I said yes to. Uh, I was also a youth pastor at the time, and so like I couldn't really travel. And so when I said yes to something, it, I was giving up a weekend, and I was giving up like possibly time away or definitely sleep, uh, meaning I was getting home super late, having to be up super early. So I only said yes to the stuff that sounded really cool, and it was able to really established the brand that I developed because I was only taking on the gigs that really like sort of I was interested in. And so, and, and I think too, also having the backgrounds that I had enabled like people that were musicians, that were actors, that were out of like an, any sort of an art world, they, they saw that sort of work and they were able to be like, oh, okay, this guy, he's one of us. Like he gets it. He's not going to, he's not going to be either like an Uber fan or he's not going to be whatever. But, but all of those sort of things, helped sort of get me I think where I got to. Um, as I already stated you have a very diverse portfolio. Um, does your camera gear change from each shoot or do you if so like how do you choose the right camera for each shoot? Totally it changes all the time and I mean I, I do shoot a lot of different stuff whether it's doing YouTube videos for Film Supply Club or whether it's doing if let's if I'm shooting a wedding per se, like that is really high volume. It is fast pace. If I was to shoot a Pentax 6.7 where you only get 10 frames and then sort of like slow to load, you don't have multiple backs, like that camera would not work in that situation. But man, do I love that camera for portraits. And so if I'm on my own shoot or a fashion lifestyle shoot that isn't as high, high pace and I can sort of take the time or have an assistant to be able to load that camera while I'm shooting another camera, uh, then it's a great camera, but like I would never take that at a wedding. One because it's big and heavy. Two because I already have like ten cameras with me. But yeah, so I'm shooting mostly the Contact Six Four Five when I need to shoot fast and when I'm needing like. And that also helps. Like it's got auto advance if you've never shot that versus like the manual wind. 
And so you can get 16 frames pretty quickly while you're like, I like to shoot in a very fluid way. I, I mean, lately for some of the stuff I've been doing, it's like I'm setting up a tripod, shooting the Hasselblad, shooting the Pentax 6.7 at a much uh, like F22, things like that. But mostly if it's fashion lifestyle, I'm shooting really fast. I like to see motion and that's hard to do on a slower camera. So yeah, I, I have typically on a wedding day, I will have two contact 645s, one on each hip. And then I also wear called the uh, hold fast, yeah, hold fast straps. And then I usually have two 35 millimeters. Um, I keep black and white film cameras on the right side of my body. And I, sorry, I keep color film cameras on the, on the right side of my body and I keep black and white cameras on the left side of my body. So when I'm reaching for cameras, I know exactly what is there. And so I typically have one 35 millimeter camera, the Canon EOS 1V. I also have a 1N and I keep those loaded um, 35 millimeter film. And then I have the contact 645s for, uh, yeah, for uh, the medium format stuff. And then, I mean, I'm sh for the film supply club, I'm mostly trying out a lot of the cameras that are in the store to explain how they work, to just play with them. And I mean, that's gotten me to fall in love with certain different formats and different cameras. Like I've really loved shooting the Hasselblad lately, the old um, 500CM. And, but yeah, the Pentax 6.7 is like, if I was to, if I had to shoot one, I could only take one picture for one portrait, I would choose the Pentax 6.7 with the 105 lens. Uh, being a wedding photographer is stressful. What have you found to be the most rewarding, but also what has been the most difficult for you? Yeah, I'm a people pleaser by nature. So the most rewarding is when I can exceed expectations and have people be blown away. Like that, that for me is everything. And, but that also puts a really, really big internal pressure on myself to blow people's minds every time I do a shoot, which is hard. And it's hard when you've been doing it for 13 years and every shoot you're expecting to better the last shoot. Like that, that internal driver is the hardest. Um, I think for any gig photographer that you're not working for a company where you're on salary and you have guaranteed shoots. Uh, I mean, I have four kids they three of them are in private school two of them are in club soccer we've got dance we've got swim we've got you know all of the things for that it is really really and i live in orange county close to the beach you know it's like not the cheapest living so the <clears throat> the stress of being a pro photographer on a gig base over the years that has become a really stressful thing i think fortunately for weddings i will minus covid where everything got canceled the I'm booked a year out, you know, so people are booking far out. So you sort of know what's coming in and then it enables you to take other gigs that are coming like midweek. And I mean, for me, when I get hired for an editorial magazine thing, that feels like personal work to me. That's, that's fun. That's something I get to go play. It's not a wedding. And I get to do those here and again. And whether it's with celebrity, whether it's with that, like that sort of stuff is fun and I get to play. And, um, but yeah, I think the, the most stressful thing is that gig-based deal where, I mean, at a certain point, you can only, there's, it's the law of economics. You can charge so much and you're trading time for dollar before, like once you start charging significantly more, you know, you're going to be booked less. Therefore, and then are those bigger gigs, how many of those are out there? So it's this game of either like pricing yourself at a point where you can be booked all the time or you're pricing yourself at a level where you are, booked some of the time making the same amount of money but it's a it's a really that has been the most stressful game i would say and it is a game um 
through yeah for all of the photography that I do is it difficult shooting film like at weddings because I know like you go through say like 500 photos in a wedding that's roughly like 60 rolls of film is it difficult or have you ever thought about transitioning to digital I, I mean I do I do a mix for sure I but the digital stuff that I shoot typically is sort of when I feel like I have to shoot but I don't really care for the photos that much and so I the digital stuff is almost like the in-betweener shots um, I feel more confident uh, with the film images that I take coming out than the digital images that I take and there's there's a few reasons one is because I use a light meter and I'm really calculated with all of the shots that I'm taking uh, two I know that when I'm shooting in this particular light at this, you know, when the shade right here, it's going to be, you know, if I'm shooting portrait 400, which I usually shoot, I know that I'm going to be probably at F4 250. Like I know exactly what my exposures are without using a meter, but I'm, you know, like still that sort of stuff. So people say often, it's like, oh, you know, I love film because it's like so unexpected. You never know what you're going to get. And I was in my head, I'm like, actually, it is very predictable if yeah. you know what you're doing. It's unpredictable if you're guessing, you know, and you're just on auto exposure and you're just hoping for the best shot. And some of them work, some of them don't. Like that could be exciting. But for me, I want, you know, on a roll of 16 frames, I want 16 good shots. And I typically, yeah. I mean, the the amount of the amount of film photos that I, it, it would be because I missed focus that that I'm not going to use an image. Uh, your portrait work, portraiture work is fantastic. The emotion that oh, you thanks, see man. in it is like breathtaking and inspirational. Where do you draw your inspiration from? I know you uh, mentioned Annie Leibovitz before, but where do you draw most of your inspiration from? I find myself so, I, I'm busy as an understatement. <laughs> so I don't really, I mean, even like having, I'm running a YouTube channel for Film Supply Club, the company that I started. And I have, I, before that, I had never, I never watched YouTube. I would maybe like look it up for like a how to do something when I'm stuck and in the pickle, but I don't watch YouTube. And so um, same deal. I was like, I don't really have the time even to like be looking for much inspiration. And part of it too is like, I don't, for the wedding world, I don't want to look at any wedding photographs. And so I draw most of my inspiration from more of that like fashion editorial world versus because I don't want, it's so easy when you're looking at everybody else's work to then all of a sudden start regurgitating everybody else's work. I think what I have found for the thing that I resonate the most with, and this is, this is a connection that I made over time where I was, I was for a period, I was asking couples like, hey, like when they're reaching out to me or when anyone is reaching out to me, like, hey, what drew you to my work? Like, why do you want to work with me? And they would say like, we love your candid work. And I would think, and I was like, I don't like, I don't have any candid work on my website at all. Like, what do you, like, what images? And then what I started to make the connection, I was like, oh, I, cause I direct a ton. Like I tell, let's say I'm, whether it's with a model or whether it's with like a real couple, um, I'm directing in a way that like, I really want the photos to feel candid and feel natural. So I'm talking them through the whole process. I'm wanting them like when a, when a model's like modeling, like I'm trying to get them to like actually relax and just be. But when it's a couple, for sure, like what I'm trying to do, the thing that I've found the most is people who don't get photographed for a living, they will always say, oh, we're not very good in front of the camera. They feel this pressure to... They, they feel this pressure that they have to perform in front of the camera in order for the photo to look good. 
And what I tell them is like, hey, listen, what I do is I take that away from you. I'm directing the whole time. So you don't have to think about performing for the photo. And I'm actually capturing you as you. And so that's for me, what I love to do is get like, I hate photos that look staged. I hate when people are trying to look like models when they're not models. Um, models are great because they don't look like models when they are models and they look amazing. But when people are not models and they're trying to look like models, they typically look like they're trying to look like models. So what I do, like the photos that I resonate the most with are the ones that I have this emotion. I say like they emote something. And so that's what I'm trying to get out of people. And then I'm trying to capture that. Uh, the other connection I made is like, oh, that's that's what I used to do with shooting bands. It's like these shooting four, like <laughs> three to four bands a night, four nights a week, they start to get really repetitive. Yeah, you know, there's there's very little differentiators sometimes, especially when you start getting like indie folk. It's like a guy with a guitar. But like the photos that I loved were the ones when they were like hitting the highest note, when they were like screaming that, you know, like showing passion. And it's like, oh, funny, like those are the same things I'm looking for when I'm shooting couples or when I'm shooting a model. Like I want something that like feels like you can feel it in the photo. So that's what I'm constantly going for. So being a wedding photographer, running a business, shooting film, having a personal life, how do you balance all of this in a typical week? Well, I don't have much of a personal life for starters. Um, I would say I... You can't, you can't balance it. Um, and balance, I think, is a myth. And there's seasons. And there, so, because why I say balance is a myth is because if you are 50% here and 50% there, you're never 100% anywhere. And so when you are, when I'm at work, I am 100% at work. And when I'm home, I now try to be 100% at home. And I have to get an office out of the house so that I could do that with four kids. It's really, really difficult when you are running your own businesses or business to, to shut off. Like that is, that is, I think for me, it is the hardest thing. Cause I, if I was single or if my family was out of town I would never stop working, which is not healthy at all but that's my personality. And so balance for me has had to be a very intentional start and stop and be 100% in wherever I am because when the, the worst thing to be is like when you're working, you're feeling guilty because you should be like, you should not be working. You should be home with your kids, your family, your spouse, your girlfriend, whatever it is. And then the, the vice versa, when you're with them, you're feeling guilty that you're not working because you have so much on your plate. And so therefore you're never content with where you are. You're never feeling okay. You're never feeling like you're good enough, getting enough done. And that is a miserable, miserable headspace. Um, especially if you're a perfectionist and love doing everything really well. So that's, that's something that I've struggled with a ton, but it's something that I'm constantly working towards. You launched Film Supply Club in 2017 as a resource to the film community. How did this vision start and how did it all come to fruition for you? Yeah, so being film photographer and in, in the wedding world sort of known for shooting film and like most of my friends in that world shot film. And so I, I mean, I've, I'd started a few businesses or I'm constantly like literally weekly coming up with new ideas where friends would be like, would you just stop? Um, so the, with Film Supply Club, I had the idea, I mean, I was running a podcast and actually a YouTube channel that was all video interviews. It was called The Artist Report. And 
so I was interviewing people, not photographers. And I actually had just figured out how I was planning on monetizing that and actually going full throttle with it. Cause I'd questioned that over the years, but at the same time I came up with like the idea for what I was going to do with that. I had, I came up with this idea for film supply club and I listened. Another thing, like, where do I find inspiration? Like all of my, I don't know, headspace is I I'm consuming books. Like currently I'm reading through biographies and there's a really cool podcast if any of your listeners love learning about business. It's called uh, Founders. And it's all, the guy basically reads a biography or autobiography every week and then he does a full book report on it. And so just listen to the one on like the founder of Sony. So I'm listening to business books all the time. And so I was listening at the gym, I was listening to a book called The Automatic Customer. And he had written a book before about how to sell a company and like basically building the company to sell it. And, and this book, The Automatic Customer, is like the one thing that I left out of that, which is basically recurring revenue and re- the more of the, mem- and I all of a sudden like sort of thinking of the membership model. And because I'd spoken at, at conferences and I knew the reps at Kodak and Fuji, uh, all of a sudden I had this like light bulb pop off in my head. It's like, what if I, what if I could get film from the reps like a, like a store I could pass on all the savings to like people buying film and all I would do is charge a really small membership fee. So like really, cause I was in this pro world, like I'm shooting 60, 70 rolls a wedding. I'm shooting like 40 to 50 weddings a year. It's, you know, we're going through a lot of film. And so with that, that's really expensive. It's like, if I could do it, pennies, they would, it's like pennies for the membership and they would be saving like so much money. And again, like sort of, being the people pleaser, my favorite thing is like collaborating, getting other people stoked. So I really did launch it in this, this element. Like I could save all these people money. Um, and then I called up one of the reps that I know and he loved, like knew my heart behind the thing and was like, Oh yeah, let's do it. And so well, and then I launched WPPI as a wedding. It's like the wedding portrait photography international conference in Vegas. And so the lab that I have used for years is called Richard Photo Lab. And so that's, I mean, I literally launched the website, left for Vegas. And while I was out there, I knew a lot of the photographers that I knew would be coming to the booth. And so I actually hosted, interviewed, no, I spoke at the booth um, and I videoed all of the talks that were happening. They had different photographers coming and talking. So I was just like there hanging out, but like letting everyone know like, hey, I launched this hey, I launched this. And then also like giving people memberships of like all my friends and just like get just basically stoking people out and realizing, holy crap, we can save some money. And literally from there launched it. And it was the most stressful year after that, probably of my life, uh, because I'd never managed inventory before. Like none of these film companies will drop ship to customers. So I had to purchase inventory, have the inventory and then fulfill the orders that were coming in. I'd never, and I still would never work at a warehouse because that is not my strength. But what I was able to do, like, and I was funding this all myself. And so I could afford like on my credit card, $10,000 worth of film. And then by the time I would order the film and have the film arrive, which would take, you know, four or five days, it would already be sold. And so I'd be ordering, like literally ordering as much as I thought could last me for a week. And then I would, so I was ordering film every single week and I was hand packaging this stuff I got boxes branded I got um, you know wrapping paper with the logo and tape with the logo and so I was handwriting a note to every single order that went out anytime I had like extra goodies whether it was from conferences from like Kodak or Fuji I was throwing them in there and so it was really like 
focused on pleasing people, <laughs> customer service, had cool packaging. And then from there, it just, just like kept going. So now, I mean, we have upwards of like almost $300,000 worth of inventory, you know, that's film that is turning over regularly. Um, so it, it's been pretty cool to be able to get it from that stage to now, like be able to like have inventory that will last me a month. Uh, you have terrific partnerships attached to film supply. Uh, why did you decide to work with these brands? Was the selection process complicated for you? What were you looking for um, to have a partnership with the club? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it for me is relationships. It's people having been in this industry for, I don't know, almost 15 years. Um, I just know people. And so a lot of it was like friends brands or brands that I used. And I mean, for a solid year, I was focusing on business development where I was ultimately trying to find as many was was trying to do a lot but one of the things with film supply club outside of just saving money on film which film has such a tiny margin in general it's really hard because like unless and then once you start getting out of the pro range where people are not shooting as much film then we had to launch a tier of membership that was called it's called hybrid pro which now it's like people have to justify paying a membership to save the money therefore they've got to be shooting enough volume to make that happen where now the hybrid pro is just five bucks a month or 60 bucks for the year. Um, it's like, you literally save that money on buying one pack of film. Yeah. Um, so, so now it's like, it's that situation. Um, but yeah, the partner I was trying to bring on, I had partners with like the standard hotel. I had partners with hotels. I was trying to get partnerships with Delta airlines. I was trying to get, I tried to get a lot of partnerships and I was started to have a lot more, but no one was using them. And so then it became, it, for me, it started to become, well, I've, I've, Put a lot of time into this no one's really taking us up on it so i guess we're going to start fading some of those out we had a lot more partnerships almost like having your AAA membership you know it's like you would then or costco membership is the best example where then you have access to get like cheaper tickets or cheaper whatever um at film supply club you have a wide range of film um how do you how did you decide to have what film in your shop yeah initially be like when i was explaining how we launched and just like having inventory. I, I couldn't, I couldn't afford to buy film that didn't sell because then I would have to pay interest on it on my credit card because if it didn't sell, I couldn't pay the credit card. And so I was only carrying film that I knew would sell that I knew would turn over like that week, that month. And initially with primarily wedding photographers, they were shooting predominantly, you know, Portra 400 or Fuji 400 H 35, 120. And then, you know, we had the mix of Portra 800 and then some Ektar and, you know, a Portra 160 as well. But in, in sort of like bigger quantities of those 400 speed films for sure. And then over time, we've been able to expand and like add more film to the, to the repertoire, Ilford films as well. And yeah, so a lot of it is if people write in like, hey, we're looking to like, why don't you carry this film? Or could you carry this film? Or, like, sure. You know, how much are you going to be buying? And it just is one of those things because it's literally run by me and I have a warehouse and like that one of the best things that I did was I um, got a, a warehouse that does fulfillment. So I'm no longer packing and shipping. It, it literally was going from like an ironing board. I was packing and shipping boxes and then it got to a tool bench. And then I hired a couple of people, like a couple of college age kids to come and help with um, like the packing and shipping. And then we were having, my wife was having our fourth baby. She's like, you gotta get out. Like you can't have these like random people like working at our house while I'm like have a new baby. 
and you're like, all right, you're right. And so I've got an office and then we had like, I'd fill like a whole wall of film fridges. <laughs> it was, it was nuts, but now I have all the film at a warehouse and they have a temperature controlled room, which is great. And everything's shipped out of there and they handle that. So that was the best handoff. Yeah. So, so yeah, it came down to that and just being able to really, it's like, I can't sit on a lot of film that just like sits on the shelves. And so I pretty much am stocking stuff that people want. And if there's stuff that you want, write us in, you know, write us and we'll. I love your YouTube channel where you show people the film that you have in, in shop and the cameras that you have. Where did this idea come from and what are your goals with this channel? Yeah. I mean, the, both the idea and the goals, because my, my background was I was interviewing people and I've run a podcast. I've run a couple of podcasts, the photo report, or sorry, the artist report, and then launched the photo report. And so it's me interviewing a lot of the photo report. Like I have a business background. And so I'm always sort of getting at the business behind being a photographer. How do you make a living doing this and talking to people who are doing that? And then also a lot of these people are pretty well known. And so being able to get past the, like what you see on Instagram, which always looks glamorous and actually going after the heart. Like I've had people cry on the podcast, like being honest, you know, like this, it's a struggle. And, but it looks like we've all got our stuff together. Like one of my favorite quotes that I heard someone say was, uh, we compare our insides to everybody else's outsides. Yeah. You know, and so with the YouTube channel, it was one to just like start, we only started selling cameras about a year ago. And so part of it was to then start playing with some of these cameras also like, because I have been a pro photographer making my full-time living doing this for over 11 years, I know a few things and I've shot film for longer than that. And so I know a few things there as well. And so being able to do a little, almost like some education, some adventure, but then also playing with a lot of these cameras that we have in the shop to some of them is like, it's my first time shooting with this camera, which I've learned is not the best thing to do when you're being videoed and have things go wrong and the camera break. And, but um, initially I wasn't really wanting to be the face of the channel, but uh, as I'm the lowest hanging fruit, so I have been often. And when COVID happened, it just like became me. So, which uh, it's not the worst thing in the world, but the main goal of the channel was to be doing more collaborations where I was bringing on other people that are doing rad work and either featuring them or I was doing it where it was like me and them on the show and we're going on a shoot and then we're talking about it or like this person's shooting that camera or this person and then I'm shooting this camera and we're doing like did one there, a photographer named Dan Rubin. We were out in New York. He, we were both shooting Hasselblads, he was shooting Tri-X, I was shooting T-Max. And then we did them both, like we switched and we we're shooting them pushed and normal. And then it's just comparing the results. So something that I say almost at the end of every channel, is like we're doing all of this sort of test to show you so then you can make decisions. We're not ever really saying like this film is better than that film because it's really, it's preference. And so you can know like, okay, I man, I wanna try that camera. I wanna try a Pentax 6.7 because those photos look really cool or it's being able to look at like a process and be like, okay, this is what film looks like normal. This is what this film looks like pushed. Huh, maybe when I go out and shoot this, I'm gonna try and push the film. So it's trying to give people like the partly the creative freedom to like go out and try new things, maybe things that they hadn't even thought of trying, but then also to, so they don't have to spend the money and the time to go do a test. We're sort of doing the test for them. Um, but yeah, so in the future of the channel is really like now that it's, COVID's obviously not over, but we're back to 
doing more collaborations. I've got a new video coming out. I don't know when this podcast is going, but with Tyler Shields, who's just a really epic uh, fine art photographer, shoots eight by 10, four by five. Um, got a really cool interview with him that's going to be live on the channel pretty soon uh, tomorrow. And, but yeah, doing more interviews, doing more just like really cool features and shoots of other photographers. But if you haven't checked out the channel, would would love for you guys to, to check that out. Just look up Film Supply Club on YouTube. Yeah, um, I want to thank you for coming on. It was a great pleasure for, um, and thank you for taking the time out of your day. It means a lot. Yeah, man. Well, keep doing what you're doing and glad to be on here. Thank you, Braden, for coming on to the show. You can see his work on his Insta at Braden Flynn as well as bradenphotography.com. Also, while you're at it, check out filmsupplyclub.com uh, for all your film needs. If you're in the market for a new camera, I heard a little hint that they might be having a Black Friday sale. Let's go. Thank you for listening, and stay safe out there. <laughs>